everybody. Welcome back to Lipstick and Lightsabers. I am Shannon. And I'm Alex. And today we are doing something a little bit different. Um, We are going to talk about the news that has been going on with Star Wars, um, especially in regards to all of the transphobic stuff that we have been seeing. But Star Wars has been kind of a weird place right now. Um, We're not really feeling like very um, happy Star Wars fans, uh, but we have been reading some really good books. Um, We were very much looking forward to Blood and Honey coming out. We've now finally both read it, and we need to talk about it. (laughs) Yeah, I I need to process it by speaking about it, because I am in a weird place with the book, and we'll we'll get to that later. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So, like, if you haven't read, like, Serpent and Dove, Blood and Honey, like, there are going to be spoilers, um, but we're going to talk about some other books, too. I hope this is kind of, like, a chill episode for you guys to listen to, because, like, we were talking about this beforehand, like, Twitter has become kind of, like, a hard place to be, and so we've kind of been finding refuge through, like, TikTok and, like, reading these books, so... Hopefully this can be kind of like a de-stressor for you guys, too. Mm-hmm. So with that being said, um, always as a reminder, um, we do have um, our Pride Month stuff. It's always up. All of the profits that we make from our Pride Month merch do go to the Homeless Black Trans Women's uh, Fund. You can also donate directly. Um, we have links for that um, in our store and everything. Um, we also have a link tree now. So if you want to like be able to find all of the links wherever where you can listen, now you can check that out. That will be in the um, description of this episode. And of course, you can always be sending us your stories. We want to hear from you guys, whether it is a story about how you got into Star Wars and why you love it, or if you want to talk about how it's making you feel right now. Like, please feel free to use lipstick and lightsabers to vent your frustrations if you need to, to Mm -hmm. talk about something positive. Just, it's there for you however you need it. It it doesn't need to always be positive. You're, like, we really encourage everyone to talk about their opinions on things and how they're feeling about the fandom. Yeah, and and I I mentioned this um, on Twitter, but, like, we created Lipstick and Lightsabers so that, like, more, like, basically just to uplift voices that weren't just straight, cis, white, heterosexual men, you know? Like, that's, they get a lot of the say when it comes to Star Wars. So, like, we do have a focus on, like, women in fandom, but, like, please don't let that stop you. Like, we, like, support everybody we want you to be able to use this we want you to be able to feel like you know you can share your story here if you want to and like we do want to hear from you guys we love hearing your stories Mm -hmm. so with that being said i guess we should kind of get into um the news uh so star wars is being a little bit embarrassing (laughs) i would say i'm not like i'm not gonna lie like i i feel like embarrassed saying i'm a star wars fan recently yeah and a lot of that just comes from, I mean, the Gina Carano stuff and, like, some of some of the Tross stuff, like, just different, different reasons. Yeah, the Tross stuff did kind of come back because um, Daisy Ridley was um, in an interview with Josh Gad and he asked her point blank, like, did you know about Ray's legacy um, going into the films? And she said no. And that it really even wasn't nailed down while they were filming, which like we've been we like we've been new. Yeah. But it is it it was hard to hear it again. I, I wasn't surprised at all. It was it's just tiring. 
It is tiring. I, I really relate to, like, any of the tweets where it's like, I'm over Tross, but, <laughs> you yeah. know, it just keeps coming back up. And then in regards with Gina, so, like, we have been getting Mando stuff kind of slowly trickling out. We do finally yeah. have a date. Um, it's going to be coming out on October 30th for season two. And we got some new images, some, like, new interesting things kind of coming out about the season. But then um, Gina Carano, who plays Cara Dune, has been very vocal on her social media recently, um, making jokes at the expense of trans people, mm-hmm. like, being mocking very... People. Mocking like, people. Very being much. super hateful. Like, it's just... it. There's no excuse for it. Like, I see some people trying to excuse it and it's just there's no excuse for it at all the way that she's acting and like today it got even worse because she's like making fun of pronouns and just we it I I it makes me so tired to see like how vocal she's being and like there Mm -hmm. hasn't been any kind of backlash about it there's literally no excuse for her being this mean and this like unaccepting like they're like sorry there's no excuse no, there's not. And, like, especially when she's working with somebody like Pedro Pascal, who is, like, very open and, like, very accepting and always, like... He's an advocate, I would say. Like, oh, very definitely. advocating. It's just... I don't... I don't understand, like, why somebody like this is using their platform in this way. Mm-hmm. And somebody did point out, like... <laughs> She keeps talking, and yet, like, John Boyega was, like, he was afraid to, like, speak out about Black Lives Matter because of his, like, ties with Disney and all that, yeah. like. But then that that was another bad look earlier this week when his article came out, and then the Mandalorian posted, uh, first, Im- like, that title image and the release date, was it? it? I think it was, yeah, like, the release date and, like, the, the yeah. blue... It just, it was a bad look. It, it's its a really bad look. And it has kind of made us wonder, like, you know, what is Disney and Lucasfilm doing? Because mm-hmm. I've seen people bring this up. Like, Disney is such a huge corporation. They have so much influence. They make so many films, so many products. And them, like, above, like, all others, like, if they did something, like, advocating for, like, Black Lives Matter or, like, Mm -hmm. trans lives or anything, like, sure, there's gonna be backlash, but, like, they're so huge, like, it's not gonna hurt them. (laughs) Yeah, but forgive me, because I don't remember exactly what happened, but I remember at the beginning of Resistance, something went down with that voice actress, Rulea? Yes. I can't remember what it was, but they did replace her. They did replace her. But I'm, like, I'm blanking on what it was. I can't remember what it was either. Now that you've said it, I'm like, oh, yeah, Mm -hmm. there was drama. So, like, maybe something will happen. And, like, Mm -hmm. Gina, like, you know, Kara will be written out, like, by the end of season two. Um, Which, honestly, like, I I don't want her on Mando. No. Because I think... I think what John and uh, Dave are doing with that show is, like, really awesome, and I I still want to watch it because I really like it, but I, I hate that she's part of it now. Yeah, I we talked about it, but I, I feel like Kara is just, like, tainted as a character for me now. Yeah. Um, 
I know both of us were talking about doing like a Cara Dune like episode like a while back that her character really excited us and like I love drawing Cara like she's such a great character to draw but like now I have no motivation to do that like I have no motivation to like enjoy her character whatsoever anymore I used to like beg Del Rey for a book or or like a Disney press book and now Mm -hmm. I'm just it's so tainted yeah like I I feel like there was like potential and everything like I was excited for where her character was going I was excited for like a backstory but now like I just I don't want to see it like unless like I know like with Star Wars like it's so big like multiple people sometimes play Play characters and all that Mm-hmm. Like right now, it's too it's too much because yeah. she's so connected to Gina right now. It's hard to se- it, it's impossible to separate. Yeah, it's just mm-hmm. it it it's really it makes me really down. Like that's kind of how Star Wars has been recently, where it's like I feel so down and like beaten down by it, mm-hmm. and then like we'll stumble across something like stories of light and dark or. Um, <laughs> Theron Ascendancy. <laughs> and or like, um, or you know, the Darth Vader comics. And it's Darth like, Vader that's comic. all publishing, though. Publishing is putting out these products that we're enjoying. That's true. Yeah. I, I'm i totally, like, I trust publishing. I, I like what they're doing. I want to yeah. say that I still trust Dave Filoni and, like, John Favreau because I, I feel like they get it, but I just... We're not going to know until they say something, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's just, it's disappointing. We are still planning on covering Mandalorian on the show. We 100% understand if, like, you're not here for that. We have seen some people talk about how they don't want to watch Mando anymore. And, like, I, to- I totally get it. it. It's hard because it's like, what do you do when this one person has kind of ruined a thing, but like you still want to support yeah, these other and I people? I want to support Pedro Pascal. I want to support the rest of the cast. Right? There's a really great cast behind that show. Yeah, and they work so hard on it. Like not just them, but like the visual effects and like the way they're pushing technology. Like it's hard. It's it puts it kind of puts yeah. everybody I think in kind of like a, a tough no, position like, no judgment from me whether you watch it or not no yeah like because we totally get it mm-hmm. so and I mean we'll maybe maybe Disney or Lucasfilm will say something by the time it comes out but you know we'll just have to kind of see I'm about hoping that they do <laughs> yeah so that kind of ties into um something that we've been talking about a little bit and it's it's like what is the future of star wars because i know you've been expressing some anxiety about that a little bit yeah it's just it's worrisome because it seems like a lot of decision making decision making lately has been um what is going to please the cis men and it feels like women and minorities are really getting pushed out (laughs) It, it does. It, it really does. Because, like, I feel like Tross, like, really it was... I mean, it wasn't, like, the first red flag, but no. it was a big red flag. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, like, now with all this happening, it just... It, it does make me worried for, like, what the Obi-Wan show is going to look like or what, you know, the Bad Batch is going to look like. Mm-hmm. 
the Obi-Wan uh, series is going to be directed by Deborah Chow, which does still make me excited. Mm-hmm. And, like, we've been really um, simping for Ewan McGregor lately. <laughs> um, he seems to really, you know, understand things, so... He's excited. <laughs> yeah, he's excited. Um, so we're just going to have to see. Like, And I know you were talking about even Jedi Fallen Order. Yeah, I mean, that's in a very long time because video games take so long to make and we don't know the timeline for that yet um i would probably guess 2021 or 2022 Mm -hmm. it was a really successful game and i trust a lot of the people that worked on it will the success of the first one kind of overshadow it and create expectations or create more attention on it to make it perfect like um corporate hands kind of digging their way into it that's the question that is the question i i want to say since it's like a game i feel like they're not going to pay as much attention to it yeah well i mean i think that's what's happening to publishing yeah yeah i i would i agree with that i i think like publishing and gaming are kind of like flying under that corporate radar whereas when it comes to like the shows and like the animated series like that's kind of where you get worried because there's more eyes on it like I can't think of people like you know Mandalorian got new people into Star Wars like people who don't even like Star Wars or like you know or casual watchers or whatever like watched Mandalorian I don't think you really get that with like the games and the books well the more money it's making the more attention it's going to get from the money people. And that is what's scary. Yeah. Yeah, it is scary. So basically right now, like, we're we're here for the books. Like, I, so far, I haven't had a book disappoint me yet. There are some that, like, we don't like. Like, I, I neither one of us liked that original Thrawn trilogy. Aftermath was a little hard to get through. Force Collector. Force Collector. <laughs> Although, that was tied in with Tross. Like, everything that was associated with Tross, like, except yeah. for Resistance Reborn. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> but, like, surprisingly, they do have more hits than they do misses. Um, which I think the most surprising with that has been Thrawn Ascendancy. Like, yeah. I really liked it. I, I haven't about read it, it. <laughs> I I read it because everybody was talking about it and they're like it's so different and like yeah. women narrate it and there are <laughs> dates and I'm like what yeah and, and you couldn't believe it until you saw it right <laughs> right exactly and it was so easy to read like it was easier to read than the alphabet squadron books for sure oh I can't which, wait <laughs> yeah I'm next in line at the library yeah, like, it, mm-hmm. it's definitely still has, like, is- I, I still have, like, issues with it, because, like, I'm not a Thrawn fan, but I do like um, Arlani, and there's another woman in it whose name I'm always hesitant to pronounce because I don't know how you say it. It's, like, like Thalius or, like, Thalius, something like that. I don't know. Um, I think both of them should just, like, forget about Thrawn and be with each other. Because that would be better. <laughs> I think they're both, like, low-key in love with Thrawn, and they should love each other. <laughs> but it's Timothy Zahn, so, you know, I can't believe, like, last time Thrawn came out, we were like, we're not talking about this. We're not going to talk about Chaos Rising. We don't care. <laughs> and I'm like, actually. <laughs> I have to give, like, publishing a lot of credit for making something for everyone. 
Because, yes. yes, the original Thrawn trilogy was not for us, but there were plenty of people who loved it. Mm-hmm. I think that, like, they're doing a really great job at keeping a lot of different kinds of people invested. Yeah, and, and I definitely think there is literally something in publishing, like, for everybody. Like, if you don't like this thing, but you like mm-hmm. this thing, like, you're probably going to be able to find a book that's going to cater to that. Mm-hmm. It's like those celebration shirts from Chicago that said Star Wars is for everybody, but in, in like, brackets at the top, Star Wars publishing. Yeah, it's just publishing is for everybody. <laughs> the movies, however. <laughs> but, like, we're we're still excited for um, Project Luminous to come out. Because mm-hmm. we've talked about this before. Like, the authors on that, like, have us really excited. And that should be pretty locked into place by now. Mm-hmm. Well, I think I, I think some people were getting um, arcs for, which one was it? Test of for, Courage? For Justina's. Yeah. yeah. So that'll be exciting. Like, I'm I'm excited to see what they're going to do. Mm-hmm. And it is, it's a different time, like, within the Star Wars history, which was another thing that I actually liked about the new Thrawn book because it, it took place in the... Um, unknown regions so like it was so removed yeah. like they talk about the clone wars but like Is they're it not during part the of clone it wars? it's during the clone wars oh, wow. do you remember in thrawn alliances when him and anakin go to batu yeah. yeah that scene is in it that's cool yeah so like when anakin goes to look for padme like that scene is in it it's just that since mm-hmm. thrawn's not telling the story it like stops when thrawn goes with anakin and then it picks back up when he's done so like they are connected but like if you didn't read that like you'd be fine because it basically has that whole scene in it again yeah i'm next on the hold list so i'm i'm really excited yeah that should be exciting um other things that have actually been exciting though with star wars um (laughs) sims 4 (laughs) (laughs) so neither of us play sims 4 but our friend andy does she has she told you about it no She's been sending me screenshots, and, and, and at first, when she first got the game, she's like, I think this is bad. But then the next day, I get a message, like, in the middle of the night or something, saying, like, actually, this is really good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've really loved seeing. So, like, this is, like, the like the Batu like, Galaxy's Edge expansion pack. And I love that immediately fans broke the game so that you could, like, romance Ray and I loved that. I was like, yes, yeah. this is why we're here, right? And people are writing their own canon with Sims 4. Like, how yes. awesome is that? It's like another sort of fan fiction. Yes. And I really think that goes to show you, too, because, like, we we kind of felt this when we were at Galaxy's Edge. Like, it, it takes place, like, before the rise of Skywalker. So, like, before the bad things happen. <laughs> like, it, it feels like it exists in this kind of sweet spot with canon, that's kind of just fun anyway and yeah. it's kind of silly because it's like you know kylo ren and ray are walking around and they'll like run away from each other and like i i think like sims really lends to that <laughs> mm-hmm. it's a very um creative outlet it's it's cool to see there's different mediums for Raylo fan fiction out there <laughs> yes we've infiltrated the sims <laughs> I love that so much. I haven't played Sims since my my stepmom had Sims Castaway, 
I don't even know where this uh, exists in like the Sims <laughs> canon. You were like a Sim that like washed up on like this island. Okay. And like you had to get off. So it like had like a plot. So you were like Gulliver from Animal yeah. Crossing. <laughs> I was Gulliver. <laughs> and you you had like a meter where like you'd go insane if you didn't talk to people because there was nobody around. So you had to like build friends. <laughs> It was great. I played I Sims 2. <laughs> I did not play Sims Castaway, which is interesting. Yeah. I you would you had to make all your clothes and then you had to like climb up rocks and stuff and since you made your clothes out of grass and you climb up these rocks, they would like degrade. <laughs> so you kept having to remake your clothes. They thought of everything. They really did. It was so great. <laughs> now when is a really smart Raylo going to figure out how to hack Ray and Kylo into Sims Castaway so they can wash <laughs> up together and be in that trope where they're like forced to be together on a deserted island? Listen, one of I love this one book where they like their the spaceship is like crashing and like these two people like crash together and they're on this alien planet and it's only them. <laughs> Such a good trope. Such mm-hmm. a good Sims castaway, like, call us. <laughs> We're here for it. <laughs> so in two non-Star Wars related things, um, we did get the Dune trailer, mm-hmm. which looks intriguing. We don't know anything about Dune. Yeah. Other than the worm. Star Wars fans are excited. Some of them. Um, uh, the cast looks really good. Oscar's beard. This looks great. Yeah. Oscar <laughs> looks awesome. But the last thing is the devil all the time. This has no Star Wars connection. It has no Star Wars. Well, yes, it does. <laughs> it has it, it has Quirky in it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, everyone who listens to this knows we love Tom Holland, so we're really <laughs> excited. It's coming out tomorrow. Yes. I hope you guys um, are ready because we're not... <laughs> We're, we're going to watch it together after I'm done work. Yes. Um. <laughs> Listen, like, even if even if you're not the biggest Tom Holland stan like we are, um, have you seen Robert Pattinson in this movie? He's playing a priest. I think he's a very creepy, scary priest, though. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm here for that, though. <laughs> like, listen... I see that trailer and I see the I see Tom Holland say you got time for a sinner and like my mind jumps and I'm straight like me to I'm ready <laughs> <laughs> I'm ready I'm not ready but like I'm ready I'm, <laughs> it's gonna be fun it's gonna be really great <laughs> so now we're gonna talk about some books and I did do this entire convoluted thing about how these books are related to Star Wars you did okay tell me really we don't need to have a reason, because this is our show, and we're going to talk about this, whether you guys like it or not. But um, the Dragon Republic, mm-hmm. it's Star Wars because uh, R.F. Kuang, um, Rebecca Kuang, is writing in Empire Strikes Back from a certain point of view. So, mm-hmm. and the books are narrated by Emily Wu Zeller, who is Afra. She's amazing as Afra. Yes. Oh, gosh. Yes. I loved it. I, I did a search <laughs> at my library for, like, everything that she narrates. Uh-huh. And I have another... I think I just got another one I'm, like, off the hold list for. I yeah. think that's what it is. So I'm excited. Mm-hmm. And um, Rebecca has said that she's interested in writing Tico Sisters. Mm-hmm. I, when I was reading the Thrawn Ascendancy book, 
I kept thinking about how much better it would be if it was written by Rebecca. Yeah. <laughs> Cause she just I love her characterization and like her her world building's really cool. Yeah. And I mean she's writing about war. She's writing about this like lawless time and it's she's good at it. A lawless time. Yeah. It was a lawless time. She would be really good if she like wrote us like a like a I don't I hesitate to say gritty but like a dark like Clone Wars type story because these Mm -hmm. books are dark like very dark yeah full trigger warnings here um it deals very heavily with PTSD depression graphic violence um sexual violence sexual assault um addiction like these are adult novels like these are new adult novels be very if if you want to get into these be very aware of those triggers because they are very it is a very heavy book. Yeah, both of are... them, the Poppy War and the Dragon Republic. Yes, and I, I always remember in the Poppy War, um, this Golem Nice, the attack on that city, because mm-hmm. it was, it, and it's brought up again and again and again because of how horrible it is, mm-hmm. and like it, it's, it's a lot. Like it's, it's very, very dark and heavy, but I like that she doesn't do that stuff like for shock it's all about ren and like what it does to her like everything is about how it changes and affects ren it's very character driven Mm -hmm. that was what i loved about dragon republic so much like i really think that it's it's such a good sequel like Mm it it i liked it better than poppy war yeah the way you get to see her deal with all those events and how exactly. she internalizes it. She grows so much. You you really see so much of Ren in that. And it, it feels... I guess it doesn't have to introduce as many things because it's not the first book in a series. But, like, it feels very grounded in, like, what's going on. And I just really, really liked it. And I, <laughs> I, I love that one of the covers says, Brace Yourself. Yeah. <laughs> it's so funny. <laughs> I love how people will tweet at Rebecca Kwong and say things like, you wrecked me from this book, and she'll just, like, evil laughter. Like, she's just, like, so pleased with herself. My favorite tweet from her, somebody told her to stop killing characters, and she said, if you can't handle the pain train, get off the ride. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, oh my god. It's just, uh, it's so true. Like, it's, these books are a pain train. Um, there's yeah. lots of angst. Uh, lots of people die. A warning for major, major character deaths. Major character deaths. Yeah. Like, they just, they come at you. Mm-hmm. I just, like, I remember when you were reading it because, like, it just, like, <laughs> you went on such a journey <laughs> by the end of that. <laughs> Getting these messages from you and you're just like, oh, my God, things are happening. A kiss. Like, all this stuff. <laughs> Oh, because I, yeah, I read it before you, and I was like, I knew you were getting it, getting to it soon, and I was like, oh, no, the end. (laughs) (laughs) The end, oh, my God. And I, so, like, I listen, we both listened to them. Mm -hmm. I actually had bought the second one because my library didn't have it. I ended up listening to it on audio, on Audible, but, like, I I was going so slow trying to read it, and I'm like, I want it. I just need mm-hmm. something. Like, I didn't know what was, like, stopping me. The I think text it, is dense. It is pretty dense. Yeah. So, like, I would recommend the audiobook. And like we said, like, Emily Wu Zeller is so good. If you 
are like here for this kind of stuff like the like rf kuang is like doing it like nobody else but just be aware that like there are some of those triggers in there so we already talked about breaking news thrawn is actually good i just can't i'm sorry i can't it just what did you rate it on your on your book channel i gave it a b plus wow um that's only one point under blood and honey for you that is wild (laughs) yes um i really liked the politics um and like the hierarchies I really liked the planet that, like the chi- like the Chiss homeworld. Um, they all, it's like frozen over, and they all live underground, and like they're but like it doesn't look like you're underground. Like they have like artificial skies and like Whoa. these beautiful, breathtaking castles. Like I was like, oh my god, this is like fairy tale shit. That's like, really cool. Yeah, I was really amazed by it, um, and like it kept making me think of like landscape with the blur of conquerors um mm-hmm. it was very similar like the wow. society stuff actually um but they are very like the chis are very like militaristic so like it is kind of all military based which is funny because they don't really like engage in other like conflicts they very much keep to themselves unless they're provoked so they're ready yeah oh they're yeah ready. They're, they're ready don't mess with them because they are ready um, but that's kind of how everything in this book gets started, because it's like a prequel to like the other Thrawn trilogy. Because um, with that one, it's him entering the Empire. So this is kind of how mm-hmm. he gets to that place. And Thrawn doesn't understand politics at all. <laughs> it's all completely lost on him. So when they are kind of starting to be provoked by this outside threat, Thrawn doesn't really understand like the hierarchies and, like, the politics behind, like, how they're going to have to do certain things. And, like, it makes people either support him or hate him and think he's going to run the Ascendancy into the ground. Mm -hmm. And what I like about it is since it's not told from Thrawn's perspective, you kind of do get to see both sides of that, which I I appreciated because I don't like Thrawn. But I also recognize that he is he does have points, but, like, I still wish that he wasn't in it at all because everybody's so obsessed with him. <laughs> he's, <laughs> he's the hero of the Ascendancy and blah, 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 and, like, all this. But I'm actually really interested in where it's going because, like, there is some cool lore, especially, like, with they have, like, these navigators that they call Skywalkers. Yeah, well, we learn about that in the last book. Yeah. You get yeah. to spend time with one like she tells part of the story and since their skywalkers are so young like she's only like nine telling the story and it's it's very interesting to see her perspective and like how she interacts with people and all that so i actually i'm very surprised i actually really liked it how so like how would you how do you find zon did with writing women because that that seems surprising to me i know i I think when they, when Thrawn was not around, I think it was, like, great. Like, it was fine. Um, Mm -hmm. It definitely passes, like, the Bechdel test, for sure. Um, I think 
it's weird because like some of the things I want to say it's because of like Chiss customs but then I'm also like no I think Thrawn or not Thrawn Zahn has like a weird view with women um there was this one scene that I didn't like and like a lot of people were hyping it because it's the the scene where they go like undercover they go to like this fancy party like undercover but the girl who goes with Thrawn their cover is that she's his hostage and like he talks down to her the whole time and she's wearing this like hideous makeup and like it just was it was gross I didn't like it and I felt like Timothy Zahn was like trying to say like oh but it's supposed to be gross and blah 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 but I'm like but then why did you do Mm -hmm. it like this so I don't know I I think we need to see like more but it's so much better than the first trilogy for sure so are we Thrawn stands? Um, no, but uh, I'm here for this, and I'm excited for you to read it because I, I think you're gonna like it. Okay, I'm excited. So we have gone through everything, and it is time to talk about the book, Blood and Honey. Do you want to tell us a little bit about like the hype and like everything with Serpent and Dove? Like, how did we get here? So Serpent and Dove came out. A year ago we both read it within the month that it came out because you had seen maybe didn't you see a summary of it and you were like oh this sounds interesting yeah I saw somebody post like a new book was coming out that was gonna be like which witch hunter arranged marriage and I was like ooh so I just I bought it <laughs> didn't know anything else so I was just like I'll try yeah. this and then I, I I bought it um I think on my birthday and I read it so quickly, it quickly became one of my favorite books, if not my favorite book. Throughout the year, I think I read it four times. Yeah, which you, you I went back to it a lot. I mean, like, I did audiobook sometimes, but, like, I would just, it, it's like a comfort thing. Like, it was a comfort book to me, and so I revisited it a lot. So going into the second one, I am very, like aware of the first book and what happens and the story beats and like I am I've read it enough times where I didn't need to do a reread right before the second one yeah because I did reread the first one before I started Blood and Honey because like I had only I actually think I had only read it twice I read it once and I listened to it once I don't think I read it again other than that and like I really loved it too like it's such a good (laughs) <laughs> it's so tropey and like I love it for that yeah like, it, it's very fun I think Shelby Maharan has so much fun with it and some people don't think that it's paced weird or like they don't like the way that the characters are done or like any of this stuff but like I she just managed to like hit the sweet spot for like things that me and Alex like <laughs> yeah and I actually think that the first book is paced very very well I, I don't think that there's a lulls in that first book where I feel like it's slow or that it goes off track or anything. Um, and I think it's really, really tight. The plot is super tight. And it just seems like this book was really edited and really, like, she worked on it for a long time to get it to where it was. Yes. And I, I think, like, the twists hit you like exactly how they're supposed mm-hmm. to hit you because it does get like pretty twisty towards the end which some people don't like I saw yeah 
It's like too ma- too many too many twists. Yeah, yeah. But like I I think that they add like just the right amount to it, and I mm-hmm. love like ultimately like the story is about like Lou and Reed, and Lou is a witch, and Reed is a witch hunter within like the church. So he's like <laughs> he's Mister Mister Good Boy, and I just. I think the way that they push each other's buttons is just amazing. I think he's very much an Obi-Wan. Oh, he's such an <laughs> Obi-Wan. He's like a really angry Obi-Wan. Yeah. Like, it's just so great. And, like, he, he's, like, giant and, like, big. Yeah. And just the Poster tropes. Child. Yes. Yeah. The tropes write themselves. It's so good. The arranged marriage is just chef's kiss. Like, it has a really awesome smut scene in it that like it just blew us away we were just like oh Shelby Murren you get it <laughs> so like needless to say like we were very excited for Blood and Honey like we, yeah. we've been looking forward to it for a very long time and Blood and Honey came out um on the 1st of September I read it a week before it came out um I got I got it on NetGalley and the entire time I was reading it, I was very stressed. Yeah. I said to you when I was reading it, I hadn't been that stressed reading a book since The Hunger Games. Yeah. It's it's very stressful. Because mm-hmm. I think the whole time you're reading it, like, you know something's going to happen. <laughs> like, and, and I think Shelby Maharin, like, kind of wants you to, like, feel that way, too. Like, I think she wanted yeah. you to kind of be a little stressed and kind of, like, know that something was going to go down. On edge. Yeah. <laughs> But, like, I will say that when it came to, like, the pacing, it was a little messy. Yeah. Okay, so I guess we'll we'll keep non-spoilers for a little bit longer and then get into a full spoiler discussion because I'm going to, like, burst. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I, I, agree, I agree with you with the pacing. It was weird pacing. It was yeah. very strange. It felt like things were kind of, like, ping-ponging everywhere. And there was... No direct line like there was in the first one. Mm-hmm. Um, I was this because this book was written in a shorter timeline. I I don't know. I think that when I think it's very clear that like Serpent and Dove was like written as like mm-hmm. it was it was just Serpent and Dove, you know. Yeah. And then then she thought about like what if we do more because I, I think yeah. like Serpent and Dove kind of Serpent and Dove does end in a way where it's like ooh like what's going to happen next but it doesn't end in like a way where it's like oh we're clearly going to go do this thing you know but do you think that initially when she brought her manuscript to publishers that Serpent and Dove had a different ending that was closed and publishers liked it enough to say let's open this ending up and write more I, I think that could be a possibility like, I, I I think you could have ended Serpent and Dove in a way that, like, put a nice pin in the story. And yeah, it the villain fine. is defeated. Yeah, yeah defeat the villain. That. Yeah, because in the end of Serpent and Dove, like, the villain escapes. Um, which you could have easily probably done it differently to have, you know, like, the yeah, happily ever you after. you just wrap it up differently. It yeah. wouldn't have been... And, like, because of that, and I said this in my review, like, if if you read Blood and Honey, or not Blood and Honey, if you read Serpent and Dove and, like, you want it to be a standalone, like, I totally think it can be. Like, it can totally stand on its own and it's totally fine. Because when you get into Blood and Honey, things are getting 
when I say messy, I don't mean messy in the, like, like, oh, the plot's messy and blah, blah, blah. But in, like, it kind of is. But, like, what I mean is that, like, with Lou and Reed and everybody, like, their emotions are getting complex and, like, things are happening yeah. to them and, like, things are Me- changing. In that sense, messy in a good way. Like, yeah. that's the kind of thing you want to read. You want to have, like, these conflictions and, like, Exactly. Like everything, yeah. Because, like, I said that about um, Dragon Republic, too. Like, Rin mm-hmm. is messy. Like, things are happening to her, and, like, she's a disaster, and, like, that kind of thing. Um, and I, I think, like, what... If I think about Blood and Honey as, like, what it was doing for the characters, I actually think I kind of see the direction. When it yeah. comes to the plot, I think maybe she was trying a lot of things. Yeah. And I wonder if it will become more clear when we get the next one. Mm-hmm. I, I totally agree with that because I think that her strength is character writing mm-hmm. and her weakness is the plotting. Yeah. How to get places. Mm-hmm. Um, and I agree with you. I think that my opinion on the second book entirely relies on the third book. I, I agree. Because like that was my, my first thought was like, darker middle chapter, I need to know what happens next. Yeah. Like, and, and, like, I'm looking to the next book not with, like, not the same way I was looking to Blood and Honey. Like, with Blood and Honey, I was, we were, like, jumping up and down, so excited. With this one, I'm, like, okay, I'm intrigued, what are we doing, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. You think we should go into spoiler talk now? Yeah, we'll, we'll talk some spoilers. <laughs> so, like, if you haven't read either of these books, like, we are going to spoil them for you. And I will say, Serpent and Dove has, like, some huge twists at the end. <laughs> So, like, if you don't want to yeah. be spoiled, I do, like, we really recommend and the Blood first one. Blood and Honey one. does, too. Blood and Honey does, too. <laughs> um, so, like, we are going to, like, ruin everything. Um, so just keep that in mind, but we need to talk about this book. <laughs> so, I guess, I want to say that what I liked about Blood and Honey, what I think that it did really well, is that it separated Lou and Reed. What mm-hmm. I think it should what i didn't like is that they were back together too quickly too soon yeah like they they are only separated for like maybe half the book i kind of wish they were separated like until the climax so i was yeah i was gonna say so um the plot of this book is that they're trying to collect allies to defeat morgan who is lou's mother Mm -hmm. um in like the city basically so they're out like in the woods far away from the city and they're collecting people on their way into the city and at one point Lou and Reed split up into different groups to go try to get different allies so I think what you're saying is it would have been better is that they would have found each other again when they got to the city yes which is what I was expecting instead of on the road yeah like when they when they met up again on the road that was like that really took me back and I'm like wait is this like yeah, I thought it was a trick. An illusion. Yeah, I thought mm. it was an illusion when, when Lou showed up at the, the, like, the circus thing. Yeah, because, um, like, because here's the thing. Like, they're they're on the run. They're in the woods. They're trying to figure out what to do next. And they decide that, you know, the best people to go to for allies would be the blood witches, um, who don't really want to talk to them because, like, Reed used to be a witch hunter, so, like, Reed can't go. Um, and then also the werewolves. Which also don't want to see Reed. Yeah, because Reed uh, <laughs> killed one of the heirs. <laughs> so yeah. I thought that I thought that Lou and Coco and Ansel were going to go with the Blood Witches. I thought they were going to mm-hmm. be there longer 
And I thought that while they were doing that, uh, Reed and everybody else was going to be traveling with this carnival to get to the werewolves. Mm-hmm. And then and the were- separately. Yeah, exactly. I thought mm-hmm. the werewolves and the blood witches would be like Lou and Reed's, like, that was their thing Challenges. to do. Challenges, yeah. Yeah. But instead, it's they do the werewolves together, which I think made mm-hmm. it a little bit strange. Yeah. And I will say, I, I did really love the section with Coco, Lou, Ansel, and the Blood Witches. Mm -hmm. I think that was a really, really strong section in the book because it it did give a lot of character development to Ansel and Coco also. Yes. Yeah, that that was something that some people were reviewing it and saying, like, you know, nobody gets any development, blah, blah, blah. But, like, I would argue that we do get to see a lot with Mm -hmm. Ansel and Coco, for better or worse. Um, And even Bo a little bit. Like, I liked... Um, oh, I like Bo bonding. A lot too. Yeah, because like they're brothers. Mm-hmm. <sighs> it just—I—I I really think where this book shines is with the character development. Yeah. Because like, here's the thing, and like, here's kind of why you're feeling stressed. Like, what we're getting hints at is that the way Lou is using magic is very destructive, mm-hmm. and like, she's not really focused and she's losing herself yeah. well, from to her like magic. a Star Wars point of view, she's using the dark side rather than the light side. The, like a quick and easy, definitely. Because yeah. the way the magic system works in this is like when you're lose type of witch, it's all about balance. So like if you're going to break this lock, like you could break your finger or like that kind of thing. But we do learn that it's subjective. So like you, there could be multiple solutions to do a thing. And mm-hmm. Lou is very quick to pick a thing regardless of the consequences. Yeah, she just chooses she chooses her golden strand or whatever it, her choices are. She sees them as like golden threads mm-hmm. and she'll pull on the one that she's going to use and she doesn't really think about which one she's choosing. No, so like she'll like give up memories. She'll give up feelings. She'll give up like the air in her lungs. Like it, she's I think it's very clear that she doesn't really think about herself. She's very much like, oh, I have to save Reed right now, and Mm -hmm. the way I'm going to do it might kill me, or I'll completely forget about him, but I have to save him. Like, she's not even thinking about herself. Like, she's very self-destructive in that way. Oh, yeah. And I think, like, the whole time I was reading it, I thought that that's where we were going to be going. I thought, like, in the climax... Lou was going to, you know, pull a string or do something that was going to make her completely lose herself. Dark, yeah. Yeah. Which isn't isn't what happens, but it also kind of happens in a yeah. way. We'll get there cuz I like I mean, I have opinions on how it happened differently. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so um and then the other really cute storyline was um, Coco and, and Ansel and Ansel being in love with Coco and Ansel wanting sword fighting lessons. I So I was thinking about this like kind of as you were reading. Do you think that Ansel is I don't know how to like put this. Like I feel like the way Ansel acts is like lose innocence kind of. Like Ansel yeah. is like innocence for sure. Mm-hmm. I, I think but it's I- I think it's interesting that, like, his feelings for Coco are, like, really innocent and pure, and then, like, 
the way he wants to learn how to fight. And, like, it all comes down to, like, Lou. Like, Lou is kind mm-hmm. of facilitating this stuff with Ansel. So I yeah. almost feel like he became more of, like, a projection of, like, Lou than he did, like, his own type of character. Mm-hmm. He was very much, like, her little brother. Yeah. Exactly. Um, yeah, I like, I that's an interesting take to say, like, he kind of symbolized the goodness of her and he really grounded her at times and you see that later on yeah well and i think he he served that for a lot of the characters because he was part of the witch hunters too like with reed and i think he he was kind of like the kid brother of the group like everybody wanted to keep him safe nobody wanted anything bad to happen to Mm -hmm. him no one trusted him. Nobody nobody trusted they, him. They didn't trust him enough to not get hurt, basically. Exactly. Yeah. And I I wanted to see him, you know, kind of like come into his own and like become his own character, but I, I kinda think in this book, like his innocence was breaking but down. He does. Like his <laughs> I know, I know, I know. Like I, I think his innocence was breaking down because like things don't go the way he wants to, like with Coco. He does kind of get his heart broken. And he starts to become, like, very aware of the fact that, like, people don't trust him and he can't fight and all this. And, like, he wants to prove himself. And he feels like he has no part in the group. Like, he can't do anything to help. Exactly. Yeah. I, and I'll be honest, like, I, like, fell in love with Ansel in this book. Like, I, like, I already liked him. I already loved him in the first book. But, like, everything in this book, I, he ended up becoming potentially my favorite character in the book I like it hurts (laughs) it does hurt so like I think it was now like looking back I do think it was kind of clear that Shelby Mahern like was setting this stuff up because what happens in the end is that Ansel dies we we are told basically there's this like thing hanging over there's like a dagger hanging over you this whole book and that somebody's gonna die and like I don't especially think... towards the end when there's like oh, basically yeah. a prophecy saying like Lou, someone you love is going to die. And I don't know about you, but I interpreted that as her losing herself because it said like somebody close. But it was to a male. You. Oh, that's Didn't true. Didn't it say a man or a male? <laughs> Maybe it did. So at that point, it was like I froze and I'm like, it's a read. But at that, like I was stressed. But I was like, well, if it's Reed, there are strings to this. There yeah. is something that we're not being told. Well, like, the minute... Because <laughs> the characters thought it was Reed, too. So, like, the oh minute the God. characters thought it was Reed, I'm like, it's not Reed. It's not Reed. <laughs> or it was going to be something that, like... It, it was going to be in, like, a way that, like... Exactly. We, we weren't thinking. So, I was like... like like, maybe, Shelby like, plays Reed these games lose with himself, us. or, like, he was gonna forget, or, you know. Yeah, he was gonna forget who he was, who, like, who everyone was. Yeah, because that was something that was threaded throughout this book, too. Like, they kept bringing up how Lou was kind of, like, going darker and darker and darker, and, like, forgetting herself and, like, giving away pieces of herself. So, like, I was wondering if, like, that was gonna thread into what was gonna happen at yeah. the end, because they even bring up in the first book, she takes away somebody else's memories, and this person mm-hmm. comes back. So, like, when um, when Bass came back, I was like, mm-hmm. oh, my God. Like, he forgot 
everything about her. He didn't just forget that he saw her in that moment. He forgot everything. And it ruined his life, basically. Mm -hmm. So I was kind of surprised when that didn't come up in the climax. And instead, it was Ansel. I I thought that the culmination of all her decisions and her going dark and people being like, we don't want you to make a choice that will ruin your life or will... um, ruin all our chances at our goals here i thought she was gonna pull a thread that was gonna kill reed yeah and that's the kind of angst i wanted for this book <laughs> yeah because she did, i like i mean she did pull a thread that made her for like not she didn't like forget about reed but she like forgot about like she wasn't worried about him yeah when she had to lock that door like because she mm-hmm. locked him out of herself so i was like oh yeah. god like something's gonna happen but that's not where it went yeah i i like i mean both of us like begged before this book came out that this book would hurt us but now i'm like <laughs> not in this not way, in this way. Not like that <laughs> it's like the the meme where the it's TikTok like talk me like, go back <laughs> I, so, like, I was really shocked when this happened because I kind of had a suspicion when, like, Ansel showed back up. Oh, like, yeah. Oh, no. At that point, I, I was I messaging you. And I was like, if Ansel dies, I'm, I'm done. Like, I am done. <laughs> and I was sitting there like, oh, no. <laughs> because, like, we have a friend who asked me to spoil it for her, and I did. And that's when I told her that. She was like, no, I'm not reading it. <laughs> Yeah. So, like, as I've been sitting with it, it does still hurt because I feel like his death is awful. And, like, you you have reminded me of so much of it. And, like, I went back and, like, read part of it. And, like, it is awful because they're, like, slipping around in his blood and, like, they can't retrieve his body and, like, this place burns down and and it's... Yeah, and here's the thing. Like, we were just talking about the Dragon Republic, who, which is a very, like, triggering book, violent. But going into that series both of us i think we're aware of that yeah we're in this situation when this happened and it was this violent and graphic and like go- like gory yeah. like it was not expected it was not like laid down in like any the, the previous book or like in in any of the writing we've read of hers hasn't been like this so it really hit me like it really affected me like, I didn't, like, remove myself from that situation, I guess, while I was reading it, and yeah. I was, like, there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the only thing I can think of that is similar is when she kills um, those two, like, brutes, and then they kiss in the blood. Because, mm-hmm. like, that had a lot of blood and all that, but... Yeah, but you don't get all this character development. Exactly. For those you're brutes. not... Like, you get them a little bit through that book. You're yeah. not invested. Exactly. Yeah. So, and and it does come as such a shock. And as I've been sitting with this book, I do think that it's all, like, symbolic for Lou. Because Lou, like, loses it. Like, there's, like, a little, there's, like, a, I always think that, like, um, an author's really trying to tell you that, like, shit has gone down when they do, like, the little half chap, like, half page chapter where it's, Mm -hmm. like, you know, darkness or, like, you know, whatever. And you get that from Lou. Like, this really hit her. It really affected her. Which is why I started thinking about Ansel as kind of, like, this, like, form of innocence for our group. And now that's been taken away. 
Yeah. And, like, Lou is making so many decisions, and you knew that, like, the consequences had to catch up to her eventually, mm-hmm. and I do think him dying is, like, 100% Lou's fault, like, yeah. no matter how you shake it, and I think she knows that, too, and it's it's too much for her to bear. Mm-hmm. I couldn't help but get in my feels about Ben Solo. Yeah? At the end of this book. Because the way that Ansel comes in after to help her, yes, it's not the same as Tross, but it got me in that feel. And then I think Lou's reaction to his death was what I think I would have wanted from Rey and The Rise of Skywalker. Yeah. Because she's very upset. Yeah. Yeah. It. I hate so much that, like, Tross has now become kind of, like, a trigger for so many things. Because, like, mm-hmm. I definitely come across that in books, too, where, like, I just... Something reminds me of Tross or, like, how Tross made me feel, and it just... I can't do it, you know, kind of thing. And so, like, I was worried, too, like... When I first saw Tross, I was, like, full denial for, like, 24 hours. Yeah. And then it, like, hit me. So I was worried that this book was going to do the same thing. And I am really upset about Ansel dying. But I I do think that it's... She did it, like, for these characters to, like, push them. Which I don't think she had set up enough for it to, like, come as, like, a thing that you would think would happen um because i agree like you don't go into this book thinking something like that's gonna happen um and i i wonder if in the next book reed is going to do something to try to like bring ansel back or like go back to that moment yeah like time travel Mm -hmm. and in that in that case if that if that's where the story is going then I am going to feel better about this book. Mm-hmm. If he is dead, dead, and he's just gone, I am like, <laughs> I won't. I probably won't be able to revisit this book a lot. No. Um, oh no. I might, yeah. <laughs> I might do like I. It doesn't feel like I want to read it four times this year. I'll probably um, see if I can audio book it like before the third one comes out. Yeah. Yeah, I've already, like, because they're, because they're so different, like, they're kind of, Serpent and Dove and Blood and Honey are kind of separated in my mind. Like, I feel like even knowing what happens in Blood and Honey, I could continue to read Serpent and Dove and, like, be divorced from it. And, like, Serpent mm-hmm. and Dove still be fine. Like, if it didn't. Yeah, you see, you see a lot of people on Goodreads saying that they wish that this was one book, yeah. Serpent and Dove, by and, itself. Like, in which I totally get because Serpent and Dove is great. I do think that Shelby is going to be setting up. I think she's setting up a lot of things. I think that that's what Blood and Honey is. I think it's like a setup book. I think she's like setting up Endgame because like we also learn a lot of stuff about like the magic and the goddess and like nature and yeah. all this. And I don't, I don't like when books do that because if it can't stand on its own, it's kind of annoying. Yeah. But it will depend on what the third book is and how what it does. Because mm-hmm. we also didn't get in this book any kind of payoff with Reed and his magic. We do a little no. bit. We do a little bit. Not really, though. No, like, not... Like, he is still kind of denying it. Yeah. He does... 
I think he starts to kind of accept. And what I did like is that we see him use magic that's very different from how Lou uses magic. Because, like, when he, he, like, ignites some fire. Yeah. And, like, um, it said, like, oh, you could take warmth from this thing or you could burn, like, this thing. But, like, he's like, or I could just fire, you know, like, it's the perspective thing. Mm-hmm. So I liked seeing that, especially with how Lou ends up at the end of this book. Um, yeah. But, we should talk about the, yeah. the ending, ending after Ansel's death. Yeah. So after Ansel's death, they go back and they kind of make a game plan. And Lou, you know, she's still and there. I mean, at the, wait, at this point, like, Lou's mom has run off. Morgan yeah, she run got away, away again. Um, and they don't have the allies really that they need either like they Mm -hmm. they got some of the werewolves but it it was kind of like a loophole thing um and they only got two blood witches which turns out the blood witches are working for morgan so um and the king didn't listen to him the king's an asshole which again i kind of wish that reed had just done the werewolf thing or the king thing um Mm -hmm. oh yeah and madame leblanc was kidnapped by the king we don't know what happened yeah. with her yet. Um, but they, they're trying to, like, regroup. Lou is, like, so angry and upset. Like, she wants to, like, march on, like, the White Witch's castle. She wants to, you know, burn it all down, take down her mom, all this. And I feel like that was enough. Like, you didn't need to add on this extra effect that, like, the Blood Witches were working for Morgan And, like, the Blood Witches take over Lou's body. I think it would have been And it's confusing. It is confusing. I think it would have been enough for Lou to willingly give herself over to it. Because I think she was at that Mm -hmm. point. Yeah. Because like I said, it was like I was fully expecting from her reaction to Ansel's death going like Ray Vader, like our our whole like (laughs) our our what we wanted for them to trust, like Mm -hmm. Ray being so angry with what happened that she becomes like Vader. And I thought that's what we were going to get with Lou. And I was really excited about that because I was so distraught about Ansel that when that was kind of going through her head, I was like, oh, maybe this is going to redeem that for me. Like it's, Mm -hmm. there's that That's where I was too. Like Yeah. But then that very, very end where there's that twist where the blood witches are like, well, actually, we're working for Morgan and we are going to take over your body, question mm-hmm. mark, because that wasn't very clear to me, like, what exactly they were doing. Yeah, I, it's, it was hinted at a lot that the three-eyed goddess, like, the goddess that all the witches worship is, like, keeping an eye on Lou. Like, she, she clearly has, like, a bigger destiny than, like, anybody has really thought about yet. Which mm-hmm. I think is kind of more introduced in this book. Like, I think she was kind of laying some, like, small threads down. So I feel like maybe the Blood Witches know something that, like, we don't know yet. So again, like, that's going to be, like, book three type stuff. But again, I think it was enough for her to be that angry and for her to, like, willingly, like, give away her heart or something. Because, like, I feel like... I read something, or, like, I know it was in Once Upon a Time, but I feel like it was in something else, too, <laughs> where, like, you can t- you take your heart out, and then, like, you don't feel any of that. Yeah, in the box. Yeah, exactly. in the box. Exactly. Yeah. I thought that she was just, 
not going to have her heart anymore and continue living, like, exactly like once upon a time. Mm-hmm. Which, and see, like, that's kind of where it's unclear, because it's like, is she possessed, or is that what happened? I think she's possessed, which... But did they take her heart out? Exactly. Because they were talking about eating hearts, like, the entire book. Yeah. And, like, how that so makes where's you immortal. The payoff? Where's the payoff with that? Yeah. So it's it, it's just weird. Yeah. And, and, like, you brought this up with, like, in regards to book three. Like, if she is possessed, like, what's the point? Like, the point of Lou's whole arc was seeing yeah. her go well, darker and darker and darker. I was going to say, what's the point of Ansel's death if she's just possessed? Exactly. Like, she is not in control over herself. Yeah. I want to see what Lou herself is going to do about losing, like, the brother she never had. Mm-hmm. It, it made me think of Throne of Glass. Um, <laughs> spoilers for Throne of Glass, I'm really sorry. Um, with Nehemia's death. Mm-hmm. Um, especially since I just reread Air of Fire. Like, the way um, Aelin really fell down that hole. And, like, even later on, like, she, or at the end of Crown of Midnight, she tries to summon Nehemia, and Nehemia's like, don't do this. Like, you're giving away too much of yourself. Like, don't, mm-hmm. you know. Like, that makes me wonder if, like, we're going to see something like that in book three. But, like, if Lou With is possessed, Ansel. like, I don't know how that's going to play out. Yeah. That's why I'm I'm very unsure about that ending, because I don't think it was clear enough for me to understand what exactly happened to her. Yeah. But, like, if... If book three, like, pulls it off and, like, is well executed, I'll prob- yeah. we'll probably think differently about it. Mm-hmm. It's just, like, as of right now, it's kind of weird. And, like, it's very controversial, <laughs> obviously. <laughs> it's just, I don't know. Like, part of me wonders, like, you know, if every, like, throughout the book, everybody was telling Reed that Lou is too far gone. She's going down a path I can't follow, blah, 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 like, all that kind of stuff. And, like, Reed never wanted to believe it. So I wonder if in book three we're going to see him still continue to think that there's good in her or if they're going to become enemies because she is, like, because she is how she is now. Yeah. And if that's the case, is it only because she's possessed so technically there is good in her yeah. or like see like that's where the weirdness comes in. It's it's very, like, you're going down a path I can't follow. Yeah. Which I would have, I thought we were going to get a scene like that. <laughs> we did not. But, like, I, I just, I don't know. I'm, yeah. I still have a lot of questions. And, like, I'm not sure if it, I, I just don't know. Like, I, I want to be yeah. hopeful. But, like, I, I don't know. I still gave this book five stars. It probably deserved a four. But yeah. I gave it five because... I'm still, I like what happened with Lou and Reed and, like, their mentalities. Yeah. I gave it a four. Yeah. But I also, when I put that four in, I felt unsure about it. Yeah. I was like, this is my rating right now. I don't know what it'll be when the third one comes out. Exactly. Yeah. Well, and, like, that might happen. Like, we might get the third and it might, you know, I hope that this isn't, like, a trough situation and it's just going to get worse or, you know, something like that. But, mm-hmm. I mean, I don't Can know. Can I also I- say something that I wouldn't think I would say about this book? 
the smut felt out of place. It did. Like, it shouldn't have been there. I agree. At all. This was something else that was weird about the book, which I think is why (laughs) the pacing feels so messy. I think she kept injecting, like, serpent and dove type of Lou and Reed scenes because I think she was trying, like, oh, this is getting darker. Oh, they're not talking anymore. Oh, let's put in this, like, banter scene. Like, oh, let's put in this, like, smut scene. Like, I... No, it should have been dark. Yeah, like, <laughs> it, I, I think it was the not committing. Yeah. Which I also think is why Lead, Reed and Lou got back together so quickly, because I think she, like, she wanted to put them back together, which I yeah. think was a mistake. I think they should have stayed I I would have been I would have been more satisfied ending this book with still that question mark if they were going to stay together. Yeah, because in this book, like, it does get very, it does get kind of questionable because mm-hmm. Lou, Lou has felt unwanted her entire life because she was born to be this weapon. And so to see Reed pull away and to see him still hate her for what she is was part of the reason she was going down this path. And, like, with Reed, it was all about him not be, like, he didn't accept himself and all of that. And, like, I think a lot of it was kind of reflected back in Lou. And, yeah, I would have liked if this book kind of ended with, like, you know, oh, but she is going this dark. And, like, I don't know if Reed's going to be able to go down this path. Um, but it well, just wasn't committed to. Lee, like, showing up at the end again. Mm-hmm. I would have liked it to be more questionable if Reed, like, it would have impacted Lou even more to going on that path. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I just, I don't know, because, like, the, where the smut was placed and, like, the com- <laughs> really weird. It was really weird. And, like, the conversation <laughs> around it, I'm like, you should have saved this for, like, way later. Like- and, like, at that point, like, I said to you, I started reading this and I was like, Shannon, like, he just left a scene where he heard his mother screaming in the background like she could be dead. Yeah. And this was, like, during his, like, his found father and Lou's actual father's funeral. Funeral. (laughs) This was very out of place. Like, needless to say, the rooftop smut scene was much better. (laughs) Yeah. I do think, so Shelby is writing book three right now. And she was writing Blood and Honey with book three in mind, which I think is the difference she wrote Serpent and Dove, I think, with just Serpent and Dove in mind. So that's what kind of makes me wonder, like, how book three is going to be. And that's why I think, like, Blood and Honey is so dependent on book three, because I think they were kind of conceived together. Mm -hmm. I wonder if um, we'll get our pre-order bonus soon. Yeah, we still haven't gotten. (laughs) I would like that dragon story. But aren't we getting the first chapter of the third book? Oh, I think we are. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like, I want to see that. <laughs> I have so many questions. Like, I just I just still have so many questions. I am very interested to hear what Shelby has to say about Ansel's death, though. Because you know people are going to ask her. Mm-hmm. So I'm interested to see, like, what exactly her reasoning was and all of that. Do you think she'll ever say something? I don't know. I guess it'll depend. Overall, I think that 
it's almost impossible to say anything either way on Blood and Honey because it is so, like, it's so different and it's so, like, dependent on what's going to happen next that, like, it's hard. I think it's hard to, like, have, like, a definitive opinion on this book. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Because, like, right now, I honestly, I don't think I would recommend it. No, it's like, (laughs) it's like, okay, read Serpent and Dove, but don't read Blood and Honey until the third book is out. Yes. That's a good way to put it, because some people do that, like, they don't, like, they'll start a show and it's like, I'll Mm -hmm. wait until this shit becomes in-game or, like, something like that. Yeah, I, yeah, I would say, like, you're safe to read Serpent and Dove, but don't read Blood and Honey until the third book comes out. Or if you're gonna read Blood and Honey, like, know that it's not gonna go the way that you think, and it's gonna be very different. But you even said that to me, and I was, like, so upset. I know you did not believe me. (laughs) No, I did believe you, but I, like... I was still not expecting what actually happened. No, I kept trying to, because, t- like, you kept, like, <laughs> throwing out all of these theories, and I'm like, whatever you're thinking, it's not gonna happen. <laughs> like, never in a million years. I was so surprised. I thought I had the end of this book all worked out, and then it just didn't happen. <laughs> and, like, part of me worries that, like, that's why she did it. Like, like shock value. Yeah. But then, like, another part of me is, like, well, it did do something to lose character, but that's only going to matter if it pays off in the third book. Because if Lou is just, like, you know, trapped as, like, a passenger inside of her mind and, like, doesn't deal with any of that kind of stuff, then it and was shock no value. Exactly. She has no agency. Exactly. no agency. Exactly. Because, mm-hmm. like, major people died in, like, Dragon Republic that, like, made me upset. I was really upset with one of the deaths in Dragon Republic. <laughs> but, mm-hmm. like, it it does something to Ren. You know, it, it really does something to her character and, like, drives her forward. So, like, if that's... If we're not going to see that with Lou, then it was only for shock. But if we do, then it at least has a purpose. And, like, she did it thinking that it was going to, you know, further push her in this direction or whatever. So... I guess, like, that's my biggest worry. Like, I hope she didn't kill Ansel just because, like, nobody was going to see it coming. I hope that's not what she did. hmm So, I don't know. That's, do you have anything else about this book? No. No? I feel good, though, that we good. talked about it. <laughs> <laughs> I knew that, like, we had to talk about it. And I'm like, we can't, like, text this. Like, we need to talk about this. Because <laughs> it just... I don't know. It's a lot. It's a lot. So that is our take on on Blood and Honey. Um, If you stuck around and haven't read the series, um, I hope we shed some light on some things. Because I also think that this is a a book that maybe you want to go in being spoiled on. Maybe. Like right now, I'm I'm, I'm reading uh, The Mortal Instruments right now, which I've never read before, but I am pretty spoiled on. And I appreciate the fact that I am kind of spoiled on it. Mm -hmm. It's just interesting. It's interesting. 2020 has been wild. Who would have thought that in September of 2020, I had more fun reading a Thrawn book than I did Blood and Honey? Because <laughs> <laughs> Blood and Honey was just pure stress. Yeah. Um, but 
next time we are going to be doing something a little bit different and a little bit fun. Um, we've kind of been teasing that we want to rewatch the prequels, that we are prequel stands now. So we are going to be starting our prequels rewatch with The Phantom Menace. I'm really excited for that. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a fun time. If you have anything that you really love about The Phantom Menace or you want us to focus on or to highlight, um, please feel free and let us know. Um, So you can always find us pretty much on Twitter. Um, We are at lip underscore lightsabers. I am at McCarter Shannon and she is at Alex Leonis. Twitter has been a little bit hard, um, but we are still around. Um, We're also lurking on TikTok. Daddy on TikTok is the best place to be right now. <laughs> um, but like I said at the beginning too, if you want to share your story with us or if you want to talk about anything, please feel free to use lipstick and lightsabers as a way to do that. Um, you can find the instructions for how to send in your story down below every podcast episode. That is everything we got for you this week. Uh, we will see you guys next time for the Phantom Menace. Bye. Bye.